Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the little uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Hot, 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 oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. It's time for episode 139 of Radio Hot Lap, that zany, light-hearted podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing, local and international, cool emerging technologies, technologies, garbage, garbage, <laughs> barbecues, casserole dishes, and things going on in the Mornington Peninsula. And with us, this first, or not show 1A of... Um, the new decade, Mark Fogarty, joining us from the Mornington Peninsula, the capital of blue cheese. How are you, mate? I'm really good. Happy New Year to you guys uh, from, as you say, Mornington Peninsula, actually more specific, Balnarring, beautiful part of uh, Victoria, down on the peninsula, south of Melbourne, and um, well, it's been sweltering over here just as it has been over there, except now it's turned um, very fresh. Fresh. Well, that's well, very nice. JP's here with us. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, folks. And yes, it is a bit fresh now. We've had the fresh weather all day. Oh, no, good. Happy New Year. Johnny, how are you? Happy New Year. Well, you and I have already said Happy New Year. Honey, yeah, but, but we haven't done it for the viewers. Well, we haven't done it for the viewers. You're right. Johnny, Happy New Year. Lovely oh. to see you again. What are you drinking? <laughs> well, like folks, probably a glass of red. In fact, I'll tell you, three weeks away on the East Coast... Uh, there's been no love over there when it comes to red wine. I'm back here for the old Dorney or Lurie Lang on Creek, the Heartland Cab Sav 08, a, uh, a good old Ben Glaxer edition. Mm-hmm. Fogwar? Well, you're right, it is a red. Yeah. Well, actually, mm, probably more crimson because it, it's not a wine, it's a cosmopolitan. I'm having a cocktail. Oh, oh yeah. Is it a V-shaped glass? Uh, no, not quite. We have those, but I'm not using one of those. It's actually in a wine glass, but it's um, semi-frozen and it's going down a treat because I've only just driven down here from Melbourne. Uh-huh. So how, how was the serenity of your drive? It was a very easy drive. The traffic hasn't really started building up again here. A lot of people are still on holidays, so the and the and uh, the beach, the beachgoers have all gone to the beach. So I had a very pleasant trip down, but nothing spectacular. Just in the Black Beast, my own car for a change, driving my own car, the uh, HSV Senator. So um, all easy. Very good. Do you like blue cheese, folks? Because no. JP doesn't. I don't either. And nor do I. But we've got a, a blue cheese for you here then, folks, that you will like. Because I was unconvinced, but Johnny's given me some of this, what's it called? Bress- Bressy Blue. Bressy Blue. $65 a kilo. Well. Or less. And I'm jumping on it now. And it's a blue cheese that you wouldn't believe was a blue cheese. I wouldn't believe you're right. And it's very pleasant. And, and 
And that is confirming it because there's a trifecta of us here which don't like blue cheese because we've been poisoned by inferior blueness. That's right. Or, or extra moldy. blue. Mm. Or blueiness. But well, you'll have to bring some over next week when you come over, John, and I, I can sample it and see if, you, if I concur. Well, I think you should because it's excellent. And perfect for Tarkin ostriches. <laughs> Talk about what's not the like about a Tarkin ostrich. Well, it's a new year, Fagwa, um, and a new decade. There's all sorts of things uh, going on. Uh, Is it really the new decade? That's a point of dispute. Don't start Let's that. not get started on that. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you what, radio's got a lot to answer for. I reckon that's been the phone in subject of the bloody month whether or not we've, we're in a new decade. It's just absolute drivel. It's probably not worth getting all bent out of shape over, is it? Exactly. Not at all. And on that basis, I'm going to say, folks, the floor is yours for the first show of the year, official show, What's Been Going On, mate? What's the news? In motorsport, not a lot. <laughs> in technology, quite a lot, as you would know with the CES the uh, big annual kickoff technology show over in uh, Las Vegas. We uh, a lot of new stuff coming out of there, but you'll be updating us on all of that later, so I won't steal your thunder. But in motorsport, we're, we're only just getting going. We've had uh, the first new livery unveiling of the season. That was last week. The Bundaberg Red Racing Team unveiled their Bundy Red cars, and, uh, well, they're red. <laughs> okay. Red as you'd expect, now, with a bit more black to make them tougher, and the the car was unveiled by their new drivers, the new Young Lions from Wappenshaw Racing, Fabian Thompson. So Fabian that's Thompson. been the big news so far. Fabian Thompson? <laughs> Andrew Thompson. You must have had a dropout, because it said Fabian Thompson. Oh, it did miss it out. I said Fabian Coulthard, pause, yep. and pause, Andrew Thompson. We got, oh, a little, yeah, we got, we got a little dropout. But so, there is a, another big news story. Well, I don't know if it's a big news story, but there's other news brewing, if you would like me to continue. Absolutely. Well, V8 Supercars Australia is about to finally get a new chief executive officer. Wow. So, in a sense, the new day-to-day boss of V8 Supercars will be, um, as predicted in auto action last week, um, an English bloke by the name of Martin Whitaker, who comes or who will be coming to V8 Supercars from the Bahrain International Circuit. Um, he's an Englishman, as I said, with um, a long history in um, motorsport administration, and he's worked for, well, pretty much a who's who of international motorsport, including Max Mosley at the FIA, Bernie Eccleston at uh, Formula One Management and Ron Dennis at uh, McLaren. Where else has he been? Oh, well, he was also uh, head of Ford Motorsport um, in Europe for a while until he uh, went over to oversee um, the establishment of the Sakia circuit in Bahrain um, as general manager. But uh, in a couple of months, he'll be out here, and he'll, along with Tony Cochran, of course, be running V8 supercars. And um, I know him very well from my days over in Europe, and um, he's a good bloke. That's good to hear. Now, I believe he's a, the reason that he's not starting for a couple of months is that uh, he's actually got commitments over there right up until the Grand Prix, is that correct? And he can't leave until after that? Uh, exactly, yes. Um, 
they're building up to uh, the season opening events in the Middle East for the V8 Supercar Championship Series, which will start um, in mid Later, they'll go um, to Bahrain, where they've been for the last few years. Um, different end of the season, though, this time. So Martin Whitaker will be overseeing that. Um, Wits actually is a big V8 supercar fan, a big fan of Australian touring car racing, and indeed Australia. Um, he was instrumental in getting the V8s over to Bahrain and, um, you know, kicking off the really serious overseas foray by the V8s. So he'll be overseeing that. And then, of course, there'll be the opening round of the World Formula, Formula One World Championship, the Bahrain Grand Prix, um, in March. Um, so he'll wrap that up and also he's organising a big um, celebration of the 60th anniversary of the Formula One World Championship with lots of uh, cars, Formula One cars and Formula One drivers and champions from each of the six decades are going to make an appearance at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, so uh, that should be very exciting. So yeah, Martin Whitaker, the new V8 supercar chief executive officer elect, if you like. Um, he'll have to get through that. So I would imagine he'll be out here um, on the job in around April. What do you think his chances of survival in the uh, V8 Supercar Australian uh, hierarchy? They haven't had a history of retaining a chief executives. No, recent history suggests it's something of a poison chalice. Um, Cameron Levick, the last person to occupy that seat, uh, didn't last long, about nine months. He was never going to laugh, though, quite frankly. Um, Martin Whittaker has a, every chance of success simply because he's very experienced. Um, he's got overseas contacts in, contacts in international motorsport up the wazoo. Um, and he's a very personable guy. That's, that's his big strength, above all, is that um, he's extremely good with people. Um, and that's, he's going to be a perfect foil for Tony Cochran. Um, it'll be... Really, I imagine something like the partnership between Cochrane and Wayne Caddick, um, who uh, retired at, uh, or late in 2008. And why that partnership worked was that while Tony Cochrane runs off like, you know, a bull in a china shop and is uh, controversial, is confrontational and, um, you know, really um, makes things difficult in negotiations, and, you know, whereas Wayne Caddick was the, the voice of reason and as someone, you know, inside the organisation once expressed, once described it, you know, Caddick would come along and clean up the mess that Tony had made um, and actually get the deal done. Tony is the visionary, the big picture man, and he rants and raves and he's been pretty successful at that. But the actual detail work and the smoothing of the uh, troubled waters is actually done, was actually done by Wayne Caddick. And um, I will be very surprised if Martin Whitaker doesn't perform a similar role because the problem with the CEO's job at V8 Supercars is that you're never, ever, ever going to be the real boss, you know, the guy at the very top of the uh, management pyramid, if you like, as long as Tony Cochran's around because as chairman, whether he's executive chairman or non-executive chairman, you know, essentially he runs V8 Supercars and he always will as long as he wants to have that job. Right. So, I mean, are you sort of alluding to the fact that really the way that uh, Cochrane works is that if he's got a good offsider, they're always like good cop, bad cop? Yeah, that's a pretty good way to describe it. And um, I think that's why this new arrangement with Martin Whitaker is going to work, um, you know, on top of just 
his experience in motorsport and, and his natural enthusiasm for V8 and for Australia, you know, will also help. He, he'll, he's not just coming in, you know, as, as a management person. He is a motorsport enthusiast you know, who also has the management skills and the administrative experience to run the business. That sounds good for all folks. Let's hope uh, that he has been sort of worded up about uh, sort of the, the, the more, more difficult nature that uh, Tony Cochran is. I, I don't think we need uh, a person of his stature to be coming down here to degrade his career. He should be able to bring a lot to it and for him to have to be a, a mouthpiece to, to cover the, the faux pas that, um, <laughs> that Tony Cochran uh, spits out would, would be a waste of talent. Uh, and certainly uh, the name to me is, is highly synonymous with uh, with McLaren in Formula One. So that's pretty exciting. And, uh, mate, the fact that yeah, you know him as a personable guy, I, I, I see some steaky wine dinners coming up. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very good company. No, I think he's well aware of what he's walking into. He's been dealing with uh, Tony Cochran for a few years. Uh, but his personality is such that, you know, he, he will be able to work with Tony um, but, you know, he's, he has, he's a strong man in his own right. He's not just, you know, he's not going to be a total puppet for Tony Cochran, but nor is he going to be trying to fight Tony, you know, where Cameron Levick was always doomed, among many other reasons, was because he actually thought he had a shot at actually running V8 supercars on his own and being the big man to make the big decisions, and that was never going to happen. So that... Um, his position was always doomed virtually from, you know, the day he walked in the door, you know, to, uh, very, you know, apart from the fact that he knew little about uh, motorsport and had little affinity to, to get to know the, the people and the workings of it. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I think this is really good news for V8 Supercars and uh, I hope my optimism will be, uh, will be um, proved to be correct. It sounds like it will, mate. And uh, JP and I have had a little bit of a uh, yeah, little, little bit of paperwork there together. We've um, come up with uh, a name that we've uh, decided we'd like to to dub him Martin Whitaker, the Diffuser. Diffuser. <laughs> the Diffuser. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that one sticks. Hey, I've just thought of it too. One little snippet um, in V8 Supercarland news is that. Uh, I got a couple of missives in the email today that, well, <laughs> Tony Delberto Racing is no longer, it is called Centaur Racing. Mm. Is there a picture of a bull with horns? Look yes, great. no, it's the centaur, of course, a, a mythical beast, half bull, half man. Yep. That, that's it. Um, so Tony Delberto Racing has called, they've renamed themselves, it's going to be Centaur Racing. And Tony Delberto's already snapped up a co-driver for the uh, endurance races, Phillip Island and Bathurst, and that will be uh, Shane Price, who's, uh, who was uh, snapped up by the Walkinshaw Racing Organisation last year for the Enduros uh, after he'd been uh, pretty much on the sidelines um, after uh, losing his uh, drive with Jack Daniels Racing when Larry Perkins was operating it. So Shane, young Shane Price... He's a very personable young bloke. Um, has at least got a, a gig in the Enduros this year with Centaur Racing. Centaur. Okay, moving on to international motorsport. Well, our flamboyant friend Flavio Briatore has um, <laughs> uh, turned up uh, again. Now, uh, 
JP, you've got a little bit of noise about that, and then Fogues is definitely up for comment. Well, I mean, the, the, in court, he was uh, he was basically uh, given the Guernsey that the FIA weren't able to uh, do what they did, but then uh, since then, the FIA's turned around and said, well, they're going to appeal it and uh, get their lawyers onto it and uh, turn it all back around again. So who, know, who the hell knows what to think, Fogues? Do you, do you think that it, it'll stick? Like the fact that his um, verdicts so far in court that the FIA will just have to pull their heads in. Well, what do you think they'll keep pushing? Well, JP, before we we, we send over to the radio hog, I mean, (laughs) it's it's fair to say that like there there are two different sort of levels of court here. I mean, the the FIA in their own sort of judgment, there's this sort of judge, jury, and execution. I mean. How can you have the really? How can you have a a body that's um, sort of trying to set down rules and and procedures, and then also be you know the executioner? It, it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's very um, well well uh, not very um, yeah balanced is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Quite true, um, and in fact, like I think Briatore's lawyer had said, you know, probably uh, for half media. Uh, say, really, there's not much point in the, the FAR, FIA doing this, um, uh, appealing. Um, perhaps they've gone outside their, their jurisdiction, but, um, you know, earlier today, uh, the news has come through that the, the, the new president, Jean Tau, um has uh, said, look, we, we, we do need to revisit this. Folks, what's your thoughts? We haven't heard the last of this. Essentially, the French version of the Supreme Court overturned the FIA's decision for what was effectively a lifetime ban for Flavio Briatore. Does it, the the and, press release is also but, mentioned... But they overturned it, John, on the basis of process rather than, um, you know, uh, Merit. exonerating Briatore. All it did was, you know, they said that the FIA's process was flawed... Yeah. Uh, and but they made no determination, no judgment on, on his guilt in the matter. So, um, and the FIA is going to appeal as you, you know, as you would always expect, because they have to um, go back and to try and ensure the sanctity of their rules. Because if this civil court decision um, sticks, it, it could create anarchy because it just you know all the you know the thread that binds together the the the, the rulemaking and and. Uh, you know the whole regulatory system of international motorsport. It was just picked apart by this. Um, you, you, the FIA won't be able to make rulings, and it might have to tidy up. Well, I think some that of that's, its I think system, that, but that's the case. What's going to be, um, you know, in the in the long run, and both sides are going to have to compromise. I, I cannot see how the world of motorsport can be bereft of Flavio forever. Um, there's just, you know, it's sort of like, okay, your both sides have been naughty. Like, isn't it better just... Look, we need flamboyant people like that in the sport to, to, to keep it keep it going. And, and, you know, from the outside looking in, I mean, we don't know the, the fine details of it, but it, it would be probably easy to imagine from what the media had put out that there were... Definitely, some very strong negative personalities clashing with each other there, specifically uh, Max Mosley and, and Flavio Briatore, and, and and then the, the the third factor of the 
the PKs, which uh, Flavio has put his hand up to say on the merit of being exonerated um, by the appeal, that I'm going to go after them. So it's all a very unsatisfactory sort of situation. Well, that's what happens when there's a clash between very strong personalities and, of course, where ultimately money is involved. I agree Tori will be lucky, frankly, to ever get back into a senior position in motorsport. I think his reputation already has been ruined um, and for him to get a senior position in Formula One um, certainly in the near-term future is almost impossible to imagine and, and I think at the end of it, you know, Flavio is just trying to um, clear his name and um, if, if this decision, decision sticks or is at least seen to stick, you know, he'll be happy and he'll wander off and do something else. I wouldn't rule out him coming back if he's able to but you know, I, I don't see a major Formula One team rehiring him. Yes, he'll be missed as a character, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that he sanctioned a very unsavoury incident that reflected extremely poorly on Formula One and indeed on motorsport at a time when certainly Formula One, you know, reputation was pretty much in tatters anyway. But you, by you by you saying that he sanctioned a, a, a situation, uh, are you inferring that he? It's actually proven that he was responsible for inciting the deliberate crash or the perceived deliberate crash of Nelson Piquet? The evidence, John, is overwhelming. But, but uh, whether, he, whether it was his idea or not is irrelevant. He, he, he certainly allowed it to happen. Yeah. Um, I noticed that um, uh, Jean Todd said as part of his... Um, election campaign, if you want to call it that, that he would be introducing some uh, some new regulatory and um, sort of punishment uh, um, procedures uh, for disciplining uh, unruly people such as Flavio in the future. Um, do we know whether anything's sort of coming together on that level? Nothing concrete, concrete oh. yet. JP is probably too early in his administration. Basically, Jean Todd you know, really has to change the perception about the FI and, and, and its uh, judicial procedures, and it's going to be very much a case as we move on of justice not only being done but being seen to be done. The problem in the last at least decade, if you like, you know, is that it was just seen as um, Max Mosley, you know, getting square with his enemies. Now, whether that's right or wrong is debatable, and I, I would suspect, you know, in some cases, yeah, you could argue a pretty persuasive case for that. In some cases, not. But certainly it doesn't matter. The perception was there, was that the FIA um, made life very difficult for people who were perceived to be opponents. And uh, it really has to be above that. And that's John Todd's biggest challenge in his presidency of the FIA on the motorsport side anyway, which is actually only a very small part of the FA, but on the motorsport side, you know, he has to change the perception of that organisation. I can see that you'll be right on the case of this uh, as it develops um, as a result of your sudden love for Bressy Blue Cheese <coughs> upgraded Gaulois 15.8% like nicotine and uh, <laughs> and, and, and Beaujolais. You mean, you mean 15 milligrams? Yeah, 15 Yeah, yeah I, I wish, gee, I long for the days of cigarettes that strong. Can't get them anymore. Well, not here anyway. 
get a packet of those uh, those death cigarettes with the black packet from Japan. <laughs> You'll only need to get one. Mm. <laughs> Trying to tell me something, John. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. We should go to Japan and get some cigarettes. Wait, uh, today, uh, Michael Schumacher apparently is testing a uh, supernova GP2 car at Jerez. Uh, he's banned, banned from testing Formula 1s until um, uh, next month. I suppose yeah. much the same. Uh, and conversely, uh, USF1 has been allocated a couple of extra test test days, rather straight line test days, where uh, the, the reduction from six last um, last year to four this year. Uh, those uh, straight line test days, obviously, like air, air strips, uh, can be translated into half days in wind tunnels. But uh, really good just to notice that a positive spirit there from the uh, the the community and uh, FAI, FAI, I can't get, I always get the insurance company mixed you do, don't I, mean, you? I, I don't want Rodley Adler, Adler involved with all this, but anyway, um, yeah, it's good to see that they're welcoming the new teams in, um, and, and that's great, because we would like to see Peter Windsor's team do all right. Uh, interesting. Where's he coming in? Connecticut? Serious doubts remain. Charlotte, isn't it? Charlotte, is he coming? Real from Charlotte? or otherwise? USF one. Down south. Yeah. Yeah. Still serious doubts, real or otherwise, that, that team is actually going to get to the first race. Mm. Um, they've been given a dispensation, as you say, um, to do some extra straight line testing. They've also got a dispensation to do some of their testing at. Uh, I think it's Barber Motorsports Park in uh, Alabama, is it? Yeah, correct. Um, well, you it's know, a Barber Motorsports if... operation, so... Hmm? It is a Barb, a Skip Barber um, yeah. operation, yeah. Anyway, that's where they're allowed to do some of their testing, so that's good for them, but um, the fact remains we've seen very little, um, you know, hard evidence from that organisation that um, they're actually going ahead except although I noticed uh, just on um, the web today I saw a YouTube clip of their uh, the crash testing of the nose of the car. So at least we know the nose has been designed, but um, <laughs> it, it just seems they're all leaving it very late. And, um, you, you, you know, can't help it, can you? First show of the year and you're giving me crap already. <laughs> no, I, well, yeah, but why not? Yeah. Have you, I tell you, have, have you seen those, um, that little uh, internet mini-series on USF1? We're done with the little computer animated um, uh, dolls, if you like. Uh, they send up USF1 gutless. They're the, among the funniest things I've seen of, you know, satire and Formula 1 for a long time. Have you seen them? It's, oh. it's animation, is it? Sort of. Like yeah, yeah, computer animation. You, you'll find it if you just do a search for USF One, um, you know, videos. Or actually, it's um, a built with. I have seen them, and it's built with uh, with interesting uh, flash space software from a website called Extra Normal. That's X T R A Normal dot com. And uh, folks, um, that's the one. Funny, you should bring that up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've got one, a new feature. That's right. Johnny made one oh, about two months before Christmas. Two or three months. Yeah. 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 Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send you the wheel. Well, who flies in whose ointment? That's right. 
<laughs> yes, and the same two guys, they're British blokes, I think, who did this series of, I think they were about, um, set, you know, there was day one to seven and then there was a Christmas special and an epilogue. Um, they've also started a new um, a further piece of Formula One satire with a, a little series called Tail Enders, which is a play on the uh, uh, British soap opera EastEnders. Um, <laughs> And the first, the, the first one was uh, um, all about Kimi Raikkonen, um, you know, down at the job centre looking for a job. It's quite funny. And then uh, followed up by one on uh, Bruno Senna and, um, you know, wondering why he'd been hired at Campos Meta um, because, you know, all the teammates, potential teammates were, uh, were nephews or sons of former Formula One champions and he was wondering if that was a coincidence or not. So... Um, these two British blokes, they're very funny. Perhaps uh, a perfect platform for us to deliver an earlier concept we talked about. We ate stupid cards. It could be, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut out the animator. A bit of, a bit of humour and satire in that business wouldn't go astray, so... What, yes, what maybe the mean, creative talents uh, involved in that project could be slightly redirected, John, with your assistance. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Nothing, just surmising. Ha 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 Well, uh, there appears to be an idiot due for the guillotine in France having revealed, as the French would, that the Apple tablet really does exist. Well, there's always someone that couldn't help themselves. One of the France telecom executives has gone and sit long on, on video and said, yes, it's here, we're going to be running it, it's going to be on Orange, it'll be here at the end of the month, da-da-da-da-da. Well, everyone's got all over it, okay. only for him to then come along and say, uh, well, 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 what I was really trying to say was, well, you know, like, if it was to exist, then, I, I, you know, we'd, we'd be part of that package. Well, you know, look, I mean, not, what? Tablet schmablet. I'm over it. Yeah, I'm over it. I mean, I, I just don't know where the positioning of it is actually going to be. And I mean, just wish people would shut up about it. But it appears that it will be turning up or being announced probably at the Yerba Buena, which is not how you say it, a Vista. Schmister Center in San Francisco, across from Moscone, yes. you know, where the Star Trek... In February. Star, yes, no, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, January 26th in February. That's oh, it. Right. In January. But uh, a couple of uh, 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 bits of evidence, further evidence, not that you needed any more, I mean, rumours from New York Times, people who know nothing, suddenly analysts, unbelievable, um, have, uh, have gone on and said, you know, it's all turning up. But more... More um, more credible sources have shown that uh, Apple is working on a multi-touch version of iWork, which is basically an Excel, PowerPoint, and um, a, a, a Word. No, it's a page layout application. Yeah. Pages. Yeah, pages, um, yeah, yeah, pages yeah. numbers, and uh, and Keynote. Yeah. That makes sense in that it would be targeted at the at the business population. It, it can't be anything bigger than about 10 inches because it will cannibalise the MacBook sales. Um, it's going to, I would I'd imagine, it will definitely have, obviously, it's going to have, you know, 
Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and camera and all like that. But I actually think, and, and I haven't heard this from anybody, so I'm making it up for myself, a, a, a slot, a physical chamber, should you say, that allows an iPhone to slip within the back of it and clip in maybe on a hinged arrangement or something like that so that still the device is completely... The device is still completely... Um, Self-contained. Uh, self-contained and flush, so you can actually use the iPhone as a charge. It's a charging station, but it then enables the device for larger video conferences. Oh, yeah. Yes, could be. Yeah, because there is some some um, Wi-Fi tethering uh, solutions going on in the US. I haven't heard that from any of the the stuff that I've been listening to, but I'm thinking, hang on a minute. You know, they, they don't want to cannibalise their. They can't cannibalise their, um, their their MacBook market um, and certainly no one's going to hold a 10 inch device up to their ear so how are you going to provide phone connectivity with and definitely this is a video conferencing sort of solution um, with a 10 inch 10 inch device uh, plus they're trying to probably capture the uh, the ebook reader you know Kindle and uh, whatever is going on there yeah, and Barnes and Noble have come out with stuff and now Borders has come out so, and they're all getting real desperate like with this I, I've not actually picked up this uh, e-ink sort of stuff, but uh, but JP's got a bit more on it. Yeah, there's a uh, there's there's quite a bit. In fact, today I read an article that said that uh, Amazon reckoned that they had their biggest day on record for e-books. Tech time! And the sale of e-books actually outstripped printed books over the Christmas period. But then some smart asses just said, "Yeah, well, that would have just been on Christmas Day because all the kids who got bloody Kindles for Christmas." To read their ebooks on would have all been test downloading a, a book so that they could read it, and that would have bumped all the figures. But uh, certainly, there's the Kindle as uh, from um, from the states, but we've actually got our own here, folks. Here in sunny South Australia, we have the Quokka Pad, which has been developed by a local company. Um, and what's the URL on that, mate? So I'll bring it up. Quokkapad dot com dot a. I think it's got a dot. How do you spell it? Q-U-O-K-K-A-P-A-D.com. It's either .com or .com.au. Surely, JP, these devices, and particularly what I understand this new Apple tablet to be, are, are the future in terms of a combination of an e-reader and particularly something that can read uh, newspapers and magazines in, in, a, in a different format, but in an electronically friendly format. And if, particularly if you have this so-called Apple tablet, tablet's probably an outmoded um, description for them now. They've got to come up with something new because tablet has you know negative connotations because sure. of the many failures that have always gone. But my understanding of the Apple is, is pretty much a, a super iTouch, if not a super iPhone, in that it's bigger... So you can read a lot more things and do a lot, th- a lot more things on it, you know. And you, but you're talking about a size that makes things easier to read because you know there are a lot of there are a lot of things you can access on your iPhone, but really the you size can't of it. See a bloody thing, yeah. No, you can't see anything. Yeah. So something of a bigger size. And as I've as I've been reading about from the CES over in the states, you know, the world needs wide for something coming up out with sort of you know tablet-type devices of one kind or another, you know, which are built for, you know, basically for reading and doing things, um, 
to replace, I, I guess, replacing paper, but in a more manageable format, even than a laptop, you know, something you can really just carry around with you or sit on your lap and read or access the net or, you that's, know, play with games. That's the whole idea. I mean, this quokka pad that's come out from here is exactly that. It's, it's, it's like a, a mobile e-book reader. Um, it'll display your digital photographs. You can play games on it. You can connect to the net. It is, um, a, it is a failure straight away. There is no way that anyone is going to take this on board. It, it, it is simply... Hardy's looked at it already and made his decision. I made, I, made a, I made my decision on the basis that, like, everyone's going to buy the, an Apple product or, or some more mainstream thing. I mean, you know, I'm not shit-canning the company that's, that's doing it here from South Australia. Um, the website, I notice is developed by the same company that's developing the website for the uh, independent, uh, independent weekly newspaper. So therefore, you can see a tie-in from the from the newspaper through to that, but it looks unwieldy. It's 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 never going to it's never going to be anything. It's, the UI is going to be crap. You're buying Chinese technology, Taiwanese technology. It's going to be ordinary. So uh, there's only going to be a couple of winners out of this, and I don't necessarily think that uh, that the Apple product will, will be the winner. Um, interestingly, that there'd been a, a, a sort of a, an alert that Steve Barmer was going to show off something at uh, at the CES yes. keynote. Yet a power surge like went through and the whole thing fell over. And they never had anything anyway, and they just it's just another HP. It's an HP device. It's, it's just, I mean, it's just the whole industry is just awash with all this rubbish that's going on. So we just need to like sit back. And ignore it all for a while because I mean, we, I just I'm not giving any of this tablet stuff any credence anymore. Yeah, you've got to because let it it's get just to it's all see just what bullshit. Out. I mean, yeah. what would you really do? You you, you know you, you go oh this is really cool. I don't have a keyboard. And you go this is driving me nuts. So they better come up with something very 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 cool, which Apple probably will that fits the bill for either. A very small niche of people who don't, who don't have a laptop or want a laptop, but are still Apple people, or, or people caught in the halo effect, which go, "I'm going to buy it anyway." It's a very, very small market. Now, folks, it's the big, it's the big, yeah. This is the start, though, John, isn't it? You know that it may be a bit messy and a bit ugly for a while. It might be even, you know, like the old, you know, video format war, but. Um, out of all these new tablet type, I, I don't know, we've got to get a new name for it, but anyway, out of these new tablet type devices, led, the charge led by this new iPhone device, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be what we're going to be doing, it's just that which one or which combination of features comes out ahead, because, you know, I think it's as plain as the nose on your face, if not mine, that, you know, <laughs> That's the, 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 Rust. the future of reading and the like is electronic on these type of, of, of really nice, you know, I, I think a big, you know, a big, when I say big, 10 to 12 inches, whatever that is in centre widgets, um, you know, something that size would be really nice and tactile and with this uh, e-ink technology, you know, the colours, yeah. you know, be really rich. So, you know, sitting down and reading auto action one day, you know, on electronics, oh, oh, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that'll happen with your forward thinking management. <laughs> Ooh, folks, you've gone awful quiet. I have. Hey, listen, guys, 
Yeah. It's all been interesting and I'm going to have a lot more to talk about next time because the next couple of weeks, the whole launch season, the V8 launch season is going to start to ramp up and, you know, actually we'll see some movement leading up to the start of the season next month. But unfortunately now I have to bid you farewell. So if you don't mind, I'll say goodnight from uh, the Mornington Peninsula. Good Absolutely. to chat. Yeah, good to chat. And I'll look too. forward to doing it again. And John, when you come over, bring some of that allegedly tasty uh, blue cheese with you and I'll check it out. Absolutely, face. But before you go, mate, there's, there's one thing that I, I just need to take you to task on. A moment ago, you, um, you referred to CES as the CES, um, uh, which is a, a little bit of an annoyance because a lot of people over here have, uh, address Clipsal as the Clipsal. Now, well, it's not the, the Clipsal. Now, what's going on? It's Clipsal 500 and it's CES. Where's uh, the come in from? Well, because it's the consumer and electronics show, is it not? It is. You're quite correct, folks. Yeah. Well, so. where, are you being, where are you being dragged away to? Is, is there being a, a yanking of the sleeve? Yabu sucks to Thank you, mate. <laughs> Will you have a lovely evening, folks? Thank you, Joe. Yes, John, I, I am. Yeah, I have a better offer. You're quite correct. Hey, one more thing, just before I go. Yep. Uh, next time, you can fill us in on um, where Alan Simonson um, fits or doesn't in uh, Team Vodafone's endurance race plans, because a lot of speculation about whether Triple Eight are going to try and um, get Mark Scape aboard to. Um, yes. co-driver to Philip Island Bathurst with Craig Lowndes, or whether Roland Dane is going to continue his preference for bringing in overseas drivers. Um, and me- names mentioned have been, of course, Alan Simonson, but also Ivan Muller and Alain Menu. So uh, I'll leave you to snip that one out. Well, I think uh, Ivan has uh, played up a little bit too much with the Vodafone girls to be uh, um, consistent <laughs> for... Um, uh, 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 Roland to ensure um, that he will be returning. Um, and I think it's fair to say that schedules can be all uh, a problem for Danes and Zidane. Mm. So um, it's, all right. uh, it's the first show that you've actually stopped us out on. But uh, no, no, that's all right. right. We'll, we'll just it, it, take a little it, break and we'll be and back in we'll, we'll remember this. <laughs> Don't pay now. Why? Right. <laughs> Cheers, folks. Good night, guys. Thank Good you. night, viewers. I'll hand you back to Hardy and JP. Thanks, Thank folks. You. Bye. I'm sorry about that comment about saying that your missus was on the balcony and, and, and she wanted you to out there naked. Oh, I when was that? Well, you just said that. Yeah, all right. Okay. I'll talk to you soon, and we can do all this live next week. Thanks, even though we got this bit live. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on my second for Cosmopolitan too, so... See you later. All right, guys, bye. The viewers will be back soon, and we don't want to hear about his sex life. Oh, there it is. Bye. All right. Well, well JP. Well, that was the phone show. Look, get over now here. Get over here to the microphone. Oh, please. Oh, he's he's over here. Show, didn't he? Like, too hard. Look, we'll give you five minutes of us. <laughs> yeah, just us viewers. Have we got anything to talk about?
Actually, we don't. Really? Yeah, well, what about GT? What about the GTs? Oh, GT Championship, six rounds. First time in your life you did some research, you might as well talk about it. Well, oh, like that, is it? I see. Okay. Yeah, so there's going to be uh, six rounds of the GT Championship. Sorry, viewers, I'm um, turning sideways to consult my notes. Obviously, not everybody. Yeah, I'm in my chair, mate. Come on, in there. Oh, mate. yeah, I'm you're getting the executive to... chair here, viewers. This is a lot more comfy than that bloody wooden thing you always take over. You'll take it over this to sit on. You have done some notes. Yeah. GT Championship over six rounds. Clipsal 500, AG Australian Grand Prix, Eastern Creek, Bathurst, and um, Homebush and Phillip Island, they reckon. Now, the Phillip Island round's interesting because that's not really a confirmed date at this point in time. And this year, there's not going to be any involvement with the Shannon's Nationals. GT Championship's running uh, all on its own back. Why are you looking at me? I'm just looking at what you were looking at. Sorry, I was looking, at, looking at that over there. So I thought you'd have something to say about the GT Championship, being no, the GT person no, that you no. are. No, I, I'm not going to say much about it because I think we will have to leave it till next week, uh, Wednesday the 20th, when uh, Tom Drewer will be uh, joining us on the show here at, for, at Teppanyaki Central, along with his father, uh, Mike. Mike, Mike Drewer, who's yep. the media director for Clips of 500, and also... Um, uh, a very uh, well-known industry individual. Um, he is indeed. importer of the West Sports Car, which took his son up the ladder. It certainly To win the Thunder Sports uh, Championship in Australia and then to move over to win the L2 Lights in IMSA. And uh, we're going to hear lots of stuff. You are. And Mike's going to be nice to us from here on in. <laughs> because we've probably rocked up the wrong way previously. But anyway, lots of love to Mike. Absolutely, without a doubt. Not Mike Rand. No. Because you don't no, like it. No, no. Don't, don't, don't like... get me started. So, look, Bathurst 12-hour. Things, I mean, things are hotting up. He is in the media. He is medium mic. And things are hotting up for Bathurst 12-hour. I see there's going to be a Reggie Lorenzo returning. What will that mean? Well, Reggie Lorenzo. Renault Cleo. Going to be run by um, Richard Gardner and uh, Mark Eddy um, in the Bathurst 12-hour. Now, what's the news on the Bathurst 12-hour, Johnny? Have we got any more news? No, it's um, good. And you and I'll be doing a convoy up with Fogwar. And, 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 and there'll be Zook and Roddy Llewellyn will be coming in from, from wanting to go, where's, where's steak for dinner? Where's steak for dinner? What can I eat and drink that's everybody else's and doesn't belong to me? And, and who's Raymond's going to steal the right after the drop? Are the drags on or the drags know, off? It could be. Yeah, I mean, the self-proclaimed uh, international drag racing correspondent for that's Radio right. that part, Llewellyn. <laughs> Uh, Otherwise known as Escort or, or, or Mr. Chop. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Chop, Chop, Mr. Chop, I tell you, the elusive Baby Q Weber was yes. revisited whilst away, and uh, Llewellyn and I did a bit of a hunt around Port Macquarie because, as you know, that I've been over to yes. Port Macquarie uh, to, and um, had a lovely holiday with uh, Miss Bris Vegas. The, you did. The, Returned to Miss Bris Vegas. Absolutely. Returned in small child. Um, and um, we went, let's go and find some really good cutlets. Well, thank you, Apple iPhone application developers. Where is I? I'm sort of going, oh, where are we going to find one? Where are we going to find one? And the world goes, well, why don't you type that shit in on your fancy phone and fuck around and you might find it? <laughs> well, sure enough, I did. I said, uh, I butchers Port Macquarie. Yeah. Up came about six, so we, we travelled around them all uh, until we came across the last one. 
That was um, arcade quality meat. Quality. And, uh, Don't and, forget and, quality. And we walked in there and I looked at me going, hmm, quality, Johnny. And then it said, <laughs> quality guaranteed. <laughs> He's got big call. We went in there. There was a lady in front. It was a, a single man in a small little shop on the Traditional side. Traditional butcher shop. In an arcade, which is not right. traditional. No. And there was no parsley, fake, fake parsley. Right. In the window, on the trays. But it was, it was looking good, and there was nary a sign of a lamb cutlet, which is what we wanted. Right. We were on hunt. Did you ask that? We, we were. Don't jump. Oh, sorry. We were hunting for lamb cutlets. Okay. <laughs> so we got in there, and there was a lady who was very... Very, very um, uh, unaware of anyone else that could existed in the world and that wanted something to eat. And she'd come in, come in for like a pound of mince, but then she went, oh, I think I might have one of those. And I might have one of those. I love those. And this went on for about 10 or 15 minutes where the butcher managed to produce a conversation whilst chopping. I mean, better than a hairdresser would. I mean, <laughs> they actually... They're really conversationalists. Oh, yeah. That have always chop meat. Yeah, yeah. How they do it, I don't know. At the end, the lady, with little regard for Luella and I, they're standing there hanging in <laughs> order with the sausage in an air-conditioned car outside while right. standing by worried whether someone was going to steal it. Well, she was unappreciative when we opened the door because she had too many bags to get out. And went, there you go, not a wisp of thank you-ness. Really? Absolutely not. Miserable. Absolutely MC. Right. Well, we weren't happy about that. But anyway, we turned our efforts towards the uh, the master butcher and said to um, Marty, because he had his name on yeah. Uh, we thought that lady would buy the whole shop out. He went, oh, my, you're, you're kidding, aren't you? Unbelievable. I was trying to help you guys, but, oh, what do I do? You know, moaning and wailing. And then went on to tell us about this lady that comes in and buys $6,500 worth of meat. I said, Lee, what do you want about? Because, well, she lives in Ireland, but she comes out here for three months when the weather's nice and just eats meat. <laughs> I went, I oh, know, whatever. Anyway, look, I said, what can I do for you? I said, got any cutlets? He goes, I have. Now, he slicked out the back. Well, I slicked. But, you know, humbly walked out the back. And he's come back out with the big rack. And he's looked at this with a slight eyebrow raise. Yeah. And gone, how many do you want? I said, a dozen. A dozen's a fair count. A dozen's good for business. A dozen cutlets, because they're about two or three bucks a piece. And he's got them, and he's gone, hey, into the first one, and they were this thick, JP. They were oh, coming up to... About an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. No, no, not... Oh, yeah. Over an inch. Over an inch, they were good thick. At that point, Llewellyn jabbed me, much like Kramer would have been, said, <laughs> they're going to be good covers. They are. And he produced a dozen of these. Well, I said, hell, let's have some bacon, yep. which we did. Grab six rashes off, and a small but slightly fatty, for flavour of course, chicken thigh for the sausage, for <laughs> boiling. 
obviously there will be a Bluetooth, Bluetooth or a Wi-Fi chip built in. The whole clothing, it'll change. It will. We've seen this before, and we're going to investigate this before we turn up with episode 140, which will be next week. It with Mike be. and Tom Drewer, hopefully Mike will come. I really hope Mike will come. Yeah, I think uh, because we, we yeah. need to give him lots of love. And um, and you know, Mike, if you're listening to this and sort of thinking, God, what's this show about? It's it's it's, it's, it's just a, couple it's a of rubbish show. Yeah, that's right. But lots of people listen to it. They do. Okay. Well, one last bit of breaking oh, God. news. Can you just, find it? Just uh-huh. finally, I just needed to mention that uh, it's probably all over the uh, mainstream news in uh, New South Wales, anyway. But some bright spark has come up with an idea to actually incorporate the Sydney Motor Show at the Homebush event next year. So basically, the Motor Show will be held at Homebush at the same time that the event, the V8 Supercar event. Actually, everybody will get quite a clever idea. I think it's quite a clever idea. Probably the prices of uh, having everyone parking and uh, having the the vehicles there at Darling Harbour have become prohibitive. So why not? It sounds like it could be the Australia's first motorsport festival. But then there'll be a few people that would argue that. What about Bimf? people or Crusher? (laughs) Bimf! That was an international motorsport festival, wasn't it? See you later. Back those in the All right, good night, viewers. Good. Good.